0: You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome everyone to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and family guy. Today on our show, we have Darren Kinnaird, managing partner of Crankworks Events, Inc., which brings to the world stage the Crankworks World Tour, a multi-stop series of mountain bike festivals that invites the world's elite mountain bike athletes to compete in a variety of disciplines. The 2022 Crankworks World Tour will be traveling to Innsbruck, Whistler, Cairns, and Rotorua. Darren is an experienced director with demonstrated leadership, high-level international multi-stakeholder relationship management, and history of working in the sports industry. A strong marketing and sales professional skilled in sponsorship and client-centered activation, content creation, and media rights management and sports marketing, Darren took over as managing partner of Crankworks Events in the summer of 2020 during the depths of the global pandemic. Darren, welcome.
1: Great to be here, Ted. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. So you're in Squamish. Is that what you said earlier in the pre-call?
1: Yeah, I'm in my home base here in Squamish.
0: And you had just gotten back, I think, from some place in the world. Where were you?
1: Yeah, we were in Cairns. I got back about 10 days ago for the third stop of the Crankworx World Tour in Cairns, Australia. It was the first time we'd ever done a Crankworx in Cairns and in Australia. And it was a really, really special experience, probably the best for First year crank works that we've ever seen. So it was a really, really great time and really hot and humid there.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I hear in Australia, the toilets actually go the other way. Is that true? Like the, 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 the water that spins in the Southern Hemisphere, there. Right?
1: <laughs> I think that's a
2: myth. Is that a myth? Know. Oh, damn it. I think it's a uh, myth.
0: The Simpsons lied. <laughs>
2: How dare they? All I right. wasn't
1: paying attention close yeah. enough. Right. <laughs> anyway. I'm go going back. back to New Zealand in, in like 10 days. So I'll let you, you let me
0: know. You let me know. Okay. So mountain biking, it's in your blood, right? So like you've been doing this for, gosh, a long time. Maybe start with your origin story. Tell us a little bit about you know, how you got to where you are.
1: So I moved to Whistler in 1999, March of 99. I, you know, finished university, had gone and done the backpacking thing in Europe and moved to Whistler and just wanted to be a ski bum. And, you know, got involved in some skiing stuff and was, you know, do a lot of skiing. My girlfriend at the time, you know, she rode a mountain bike and she introduced me to the Whistler Mountain Bike Park. Myself and a buddy went up there. And, you know, we went down at the time, the Green Run, and we thought we were seven-year-old kids all over again. You know, riding bikes, hitting jumps, doing all this stuff. It was just amazing. So, you know, immediately went and bought a full suspension mountain bike and just sort of got into it over the years. And, you know, what a place to get exposed to mountain biking. Like well, yeah, mountain bike as a kid, but nothing serious. But, you know, the Worcester Mountain Bike Park was you know it still is like the epitome the epicenter the the mecca of mountain biking and so uh, what a place to get exposed to it
0: and and learn and then so you got in involved with mountain biking but then how did you get involved in crankworks because when me and you met we, we met at the sponsorship X conference in Whistler for your Whistler Crankworks event you had told the story of how you just took over during the pandemic so how did you get involved with crankworks
1: yeah so like Crankworks started back in two thousand and four, and I actually volunteered for Crankworks in two thousand and five so that was my first exposure to it and I actually just helped with awards and I did that for a couple of years. Some of my winter roles sort of opened some doors, and then, in two thousand and seven, I got my first sort of paid role with Crankworks, and I was doing what we call just client service some of the partners of Crankworks at the time and that was a really interesting experience to get to work with people to sort of understand what their goals were and what they were trying to achieve and help them execute them. In 2008, the opportunity to take on all the expo sales, both the Whistler event and at the time we were doing one in Colorado. And then just sort of, you know, one thing led to another. And in 2010, I became the general manager of Crankworks, And at that time, we had the one in Whistler and one in Colorado. And I quickly pushed to try and, you know, grow the event globally. And so when the event in Colorado ended, we had a chance to expand to Europe. And so we went to Les Alpes in France. And that was sort of like the launching point. From there, we would have resorts from all over the world sort of calling and asking. And we would explore a couple of different places in Australia back as far as 2013. It was in 2014. 20- 14 when a hotel manager from Rotorua New Zealand called me and said hey I'm probably the wrong person to be calling you about this but would you ever consider coming to Rotorua and my immediate response was where's that like where's Rotorua <laughs> so the series has grown organically we've pushed really hard to grow up globally and yeah kind of in the fall of 2019 the opportunity to take over ownership became a possibility The festival was owned by Worcester Blackcomb, who was owned by Vail Resorts. Vail Resorts, it's sort of taken over in 2016. And there was no real, like there's no festivals department to Vail Resorts. Vail loves having events and festivals at the resorts. It's not part of their business model to try and manage them. And so, you know, after a couple of years of reporting to random people, the opportunity to take over came up and... they approached me and said, you know, if you can find a good business partner to work with, which I knew immediately who I wanted to call, we'd love to explore you guys taking this over. And so I've worked with a gentleman by the name of TJ Walker at the Boombox Group. They're based in saint Sauveur, Quebec. They've been our broadcast company, like done all of our production and all of our content for over a decade. Yeah, I called him up one morning. Him and I had been sort of talking about this. I called him up and said, hey this is what they want to do. Are you in? And he called me back 10 minutes later and said, yeah, let's go. And so it took us a while to like work through the negotiation and the legal process and put together the right proposal. And we were really, really close. I would say in February of 2020, we had just traveled to New Zealand back here. Like when we left the late February of 2020, COVID was, in Canada anyways, like I remember hearing of, oh, there was this woman that had traveled from Toronto to Vancouver or vice versa, and she had tested positive. So, you know, okay, whatever, no big deal. And when we landed in New Zealand, it was like, hmm, okay, this could be something. And by the time I got home, it was a whole other world. I mean, I went into the office for one day and said to the team, like, we should probably all just stay home tomorrow. And that put everything on pause for a little bit. And it was probably... You know, around sometime in early April, a couple of things just sparked an idea in my head. One was listening to Mark Harrison I was on a couple of different podcasts. And one of his crazy ideas was what the NHL should do is just let all the players come to Canada and play in all these small rinks and towns in Canada. And you know, just it wasn't quite the bubble concept, but like bring these teams together so that we can finish out the season. And the other thing was, is I was out riding with my son one day. We have some absolutely amazing mountain biking here in Squamish and my son and I were riding and I thought, well, you know, like if this is what our summer is, is just him and I riding bikes together. We live in a pretty amazing place and we have some amazing bike parks in BC. And wait a second, we have some of the best athletes in the world that have decided to call BC home. And we have some of the biggest players in the industry are set up here in BC. And I was like, well, wait a second, we could do something that is, you know, you could only pull us off in British Columbia. And so called my business partner up, said, Hey, got this idea. Let's do this crankworks summer series. We'll travel around to a bunch of different resorts in BC. It's like, I love it. So we pushed forward on purchasing crankworks. And, you know, we started talking to the athletes and some of our existing sponsors and said, Hey, I think we've got something here that we can create a made for TV, COVID safe, Experience over a number of weeks, you know, to let the athletes still have something to do and compete and showcase themselves to the world and keep their partners happy. Something that, you know, keeps our team and everyone working, does something for our sponsors and continues to give them some value for their investment. And yeah, it was pretty hectic. We got right down to the wire. We had buses all booked and everything ready to go for the Saturday to pick up all the athletes and drive up to Silver Star <laughs> And Friday afternoon, we didn't quite get the sale finished. This is like July 24th.
0: And when was the event?
1: It was supposed to start on the 27th. Okay. Yeah. So there we are up in Silver Star. Monday morning, the 27th, I'm up at 5 a.m. on the phone with our lawyers, with Vale. Finally, by noon, everything was done and dusted. You know, the athletes were all kind of wondering why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Mm. Press release goes out, you know, Cliff Crankworks Summer Series launching. The next three weeks, you would be able to watch your favorite mountain bike athletes compete in BC. Half hour later, Vail Resorts, Worcester Blackcomb puts out the sale, press release, and we were just off to the races. And it was an incredible time, extremely stressful. I never want to go through it again, (laughs) but it's been very rewarding nonetheless.
0: So, I mean, you were able to find the opportunity and, you know, a global pandemic something that none of us have gone through in a lifetime so what was the trick there was it just having a good time with your boy and then all of a sudden it was like oh poof, got an idea or is it through conversations how does one find the opportunity especially as we're hearing that there's going to be a recession coming or at least that's the talk for 2023 what is that how did you come about that and where can leaders learn from
1: My wife always teases me. She's like, your brain never shuts off. You never stop thinking about ideas. And we as a team try and, you know, everyone's got their specialty or their area of focus. But I'm always trying to get the team to look outside their area of focus. And we've sort of broken things down into five areas where, like, it's everyone's job to make the athletes' lives better. It's everyone's job to make the media better. Coming to the events to tell the stories of athletes their lives better. It's everyone's job to make the spectator experience or the viewing experience better. It's everyone's job to try and keep the goals and objectives of our sponsors and partners in mind. And then of course, as you have, you know, more athletes, you have more media, you have more fans, you have more partners, this is what's led to having more locations want to be a part of crankworks. So the sort of fifth one is the locations. And I think. With that mindset, we boiled it down to, you know, one of our biggest investing partners in the Cliff Crankworx Summer Series in 2020 was the province of BC through the Tourism Events Program. And so early in the pandemic, no one knew how long this was going to go on. And, you know, Linda at the Tourism Events Program calls me up and she's like, well, we've got this money that's meant to be for Crankworx Whistler. I don't know what you can do with it, but... One of the things that had always been sort of percolating in the back of our minds was, you know, how could we create a feeder series that would, you know, allow athletes from all over the province or all over Western Canada to be able to, you know, qualify and come to Whistler. And at the same time, through some of the conversations that i had been having with various people at Destination BC and tourism, they were always wondering how could the province leverage the international media and focus that was coming to Whistler. And so it was just sort of like a spark that was like, oh, hey, wait a second, you know, this funding from the province this year, maybe we could use it to expose other resorts in BC through Crankworx. And so as we had started reaching out to Silver Star and Kicking Horse and Sun Peaks, they were all like, yeah, if we can do this safely, let's do it. So yeah, it's just being constantly aware of what are your stakeholders looking for? What are their goals? What are their objectives? And always trying to filter those things through what you're trying to achieve. And that's where I think a lot of our ideas come from.
0: Basically, what I'm hearing is win-win, but think of it almost as a collaboration effort. And how can you bring value ultimately to your stakeholders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, such a core focus of our team is, you know, you might be in charge of athlete management, but how can you do something that supports what our sponsors need or what a destination wants to do. And our team is constantly looking at that and reflecting on that and seeing ways that we can do it better.
0: And then with regards to marketing, because this is a podcast about all things marketing, you know, sponsorship marketing is a very different animal than just regular marketing. And given you are a festival, you have stakeholders, you have partners that come and like SRAM, you know, that come and Swatch and whatnot to Whistler. Tell me about what's the difference that you see when it comes to, event marketing, sponsorship marketing versus just regular old marketing?
1: I think different brands have different reasons for why they get involved with a property. But I believe that it allows a brand to make a special connection with I guess, a guest to consumer perspective client. You know, I think a lot of brands, what they do is they the ones that do it really well make the experience better for someone attending that event. I mean, they're there because they want access to the spectators or the fans or the viewers of the event, but the ones that do it really well make that experience better, they enhance the experience for those spectators. And I think, you know, over the last few years, we've seen that evolve. It's, you know, swayed towards trying to create digital experiences or contests. But I think at the end of the day, that's really what makes sponsorship marketing different is that ability to make genuine, unique connections that make people's lives better. And that is fundamentally, you can't do that with advertising.
0: With regards to the change, I don't know if you want to talk about the change of when you first started from 04, 05, or I think 05, 07, when you started back then to now... Has sponsorship marketing really all changed? I know that there's bigger displays and you know, bigger interactions and whatnot. How has that changed? And maybe more so, how has it changed now that the pandemic, or at least Joe Biden says, pandemic's over, like post-pandemic. What differences have you seen in your journey?
1: I mean, I think the fundamental goal remains the same, but I think over the last few years, digital exposure and affiliation with a property has become more important. I mean, for a while there during the pandemic, that's all you could do. Mm. I mean, with the partners that supported us during the Crankwork Summer Series, that was what we were able to provide them was an exposure opportunity through broadcast or through digital channels, but the ability to tell stories through those channels. I mean, that was really important. So again, you know, creating content or whatever that the viewer could enjoy. And, you know, at the end of the day, good content, you entertain people, that makes their lives better. And I think the role of digital in sponsorship, but then the reporting of that data and that information. And that's something that we really focused on a lot during the pandemic when you couldn't have fans on site. It was how do you let the brands try and connect? And that was through digital. But our ability to report on that has grown immensely. And so that we can now... You know, let different brands and partners know that the amount of exposure, the amount of connection that they were able to make through what we do, whether it's broadcast or digital. I would say that's the biggest change for our team, anyways, over the last couple of years.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation,
0: What I always talk to my experiential agency owner buddies is about tracking. Like you said, data. Like ballistic arts, my firm is a digital marketing agency. So everything we do is tracked, right? Mm -hmm. From persona to top funnel all the way to bottom funnel. We know exactly how many people are being pinged. But you know, when I go to your festival and I'm kind of walking through all the sponsorship partners and whatnot, that's never tracked. So, at least from what I can tell, because I'm just walk through a booth, I look at some stuff, I interact mm-hmm. with the displays and whatnot, and I kind of move on or I buy something. Has that changed? Like, how can you on site? I don't know if you know the answer to this, but like on site, track that better so that you are able to show better ROI, or is it simply attendance numbers, like it's always been?
1: It's kind of different strokes for different folks. Honestly, you know, I've seen various things like through the sponsorship X conference a couple of years ago when it was in Toronto at the NBA all-star game, there was actually a company that had these boxes you could put in your booth and it would actually pick up data from people's cell phones as to, you know, who was coming through and getting some information as to the type of people that you were interacting with. You know, I think, It's funny because we were actually having a conversation about this very thing with SRAM yesterday Mm. and trying to get better insights into who is coming, you know, what are their preferences, where are they at in the purchase cycle? You know, I think it involves having a team that is focused on site to doing, you know, surveys and intercepting people and trying to understand and the right people you know, trying to get insights into what their purchasing patterns are, what their intent is, you know, what their goals are, or, you know, plans over the next couple of years for a new bike or new brakes or, you know, whatever it is. And so it's something that we're starting to look at and try and figure out, is this something we can do? It's definitely going to require third-party or third-party software or something to come in and help. But yeah, I mean, I think to date, it has mostly just been about big strong numbers i mean we're pretty blessed that the crankworks whistler festival i mean it brings in over 300 and i think it was three hundred and forty thousand people this year over the, the 10 of days yeah I mean, of just, and so there's no f- mountain biking festival in the world that is even close and so we're pretty blessed there that we can you know at times just rest our laurels on it hey, this is just this massive number of people and if you want to be a part of it come on down. But for some of our bigger partners, I think that's a thing that we're going to start to look at is, you know, how can we provide better data, better information, better insights? So.
0: We uh, have some guests that have come on the show and talk about Web3 and augmented reality and metaverse. And I don't know if that is something for an outdoor festival. If that even, is that even on your radar? Is that something that you even consider? I mean,
1: no, not, Really? I mean, for us, I mean, some of our partners have talked about it as a way to activate. I mean, mountain biking is a, it's a rush. It's an experience. Mm. And you can't really replicate that in a augmented reality.
0: Instead of some device. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: We've seen people try and do it and they get sick. Um, you know, even some of them, you know, there's a few mountain biking video games and even that is really hard to capture the real experience. But it's not just the real experience of mountain biking. It's the real experience of the festival, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it's like, would an augmented reality version of Disneyland even scratch the real experience of going to Disneyland? Like yeah, for no. sure.
0: Yeah, or I was thinking rock shows too, right? Like during mm-hmm. the pandemic... Had a couple of yeah. my favorite artists send out a thing and like, oh yeah, we're gonna perform and give us it was really cheap. It was like 15 bucks, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna sit in my living room and dance with Michael Frankie yeah. or whatever. <laughs> it's just I don't think that's gonna fly.
1: No, definitely. And I mean for us, I've always said that the best marketing for next year's festival is showing how amazing the experience is on site at this year's festival and to be able to show that through broadcast or Content or whatever, it's getting behind the scenes with content or whatever. To me, that's always been the best marketing. And our goal is to have people come to the festivals and experience them. And so trying to do that with augmented reality would be challenging and potentially counterproductive.
0: Yeah, probably, I would imagine. Then, so you got, I think this year, four locations. What's the goal? And for yourself, it sounded like it was in 2010 where you're like, you know, let's go outside of North America. Is there world domination in your sights there or what?
1: Our goal is to, I mean, I think four major festivals is our goal. I mean, what we're trying to do is, I mean, our tagline is the ultimate experience in mountain biking. And, you know, we're trying to create that for everyone that gets to touch, taste, feel, smell, crankworks. And, you know, we want the festivals to be this big celebration of these incredible riding destinations when you can showcase these riding destinations and they can see the fruits of their investment in hosting a Crankhurst Festival It becomes this like never-ending perpetual cycle of growth for the destination in terms of its mountain biking tourism and visitorship and I think Rotorua is a really really great example of that I mean they went from being this town that had a good mountain biking product but they sort of didn't know what it was and now it's become one of the best known and literally is one of the best mountain biking destinations in the world. Wow. And so that's what we're about. And what we're trying to achieve is that ultimate experience in mountain biking for everyone that to come to the festival.
0: A lot of our guests, I guess, that come on to the show talk a lot about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. And it's a really big part. And, you know, since Me Too and George Floyd and all those kind of, you know, anti-Asian hate, especially during the pandemic, is there anything that you as a leader, just in BC and Canada, as well as the leader of Crankworks, that you guys are employing in your culture and your marketing?
1: Yeah. So we, I may even take a step back. So when we first started going to Rotorua New Zealand, one of the things that Rotorua is uh, well known for is being the Maori cultural hub of New Zealand. And we were really blown away at how the local team in Rotorua integrated the culture into the festival. Like, next level. Never seen it before. Probably in a way that, you know, you wouldn't even see in Canada today. And that was a big eye-opener, I think, for us. And we've always worked really closely with the Squamish Cultural Centre in Whistler. And every year, we try and work more and more closely with them, We're trying to bring awareness to what the Cultural Center is and, you know, get people to go experience it and have their eyes opened and learn something. And so we're always trying to figure out ways to provide opportunities to create that awareness. And so this year we had performers from the Cultural Center there to help us kick off Rebel Joyride. We integrated into deep summer. So deep summer is our photography challenge. And we integrated, there was a uh, canoe carving thing that was going on this summer at the SLCC. And the photographers all had to integrate that element into their slideshows this year. So, you know, again, finding multiple ways and touch points to create that awareness and that exposure and give people the opportunity to go and learn and get educated and provide opportunities for the SLCC to grow and, you know, create awareness.
0: That's great. You touched upon, you know, Deep Summer, you touched upon Red Bull, Joyride. Those are properties, right, within your bigger property. How do you ideate that? What do you do in your marketing team to come up with, hey, we should, you know, put that, I remember there was a big bowl or something that you guys had this year where guys would go up and do that. And how do you come up with those ideas? Because that's very interesting, you know, as someone that just comes to the event, it's like, wow, this is so awesome. They got this and that and da-da-da-da. But somebody had to sit in a room and think about it and come up with it and then execute. You know, yeah. What's your process?
1: I think as a team, it's a mass collaboration, not just within our own team, but with different partners. So like the sphere that you're referring to at Red Bull Joyride this year, that was actually something that Red Bull Canada did last summer in 2021. So when they couldn't do Red Bull Joyride, They worked with one of their athletes to create an online contest for fans. They built three or four different features and then it was an online voting and that was the one that won. And so, you know, and I think with things like Deep Summer and Dirt Diaries, which is our video version of Deep Summer. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of these things are. We look at the whole picture of mountain biking, not just the racing, not just the competitive side of it, the the cultural side of it and go, you know, how can we bring in those elements to the festival? And, you know, I think a lot of the ideas that our team has come up with over the years, you look at best examples in other areas and go, how can we take what like is special there and make it uniquely ours? I'm a huge sports fan, grew up.
0: Oh, yeah what's your sport
1: oh everything i everything? grew up watching i yeah i grew up playing hockey i you know involved in skiing but i would watch golf and, and you name it right you're a like, football
0: fan i'm a bit of a football. Fan. A
1: huge football fan. yeah what's your team yeah. oh the 49ers like oh I you, just you just got beginning. McCaffrey. you just got a big news I know, dude. yeah I mean, <laughs> there's a whole story we could go on a tangent there
0: <laughs> i'm a pats fan you got jimmy g you're welcome for a second yeah. rounder yeah you're welcome
1: but yeah no i think like You know, some of the things I've looked at over the years is, you know, with the Masters Golf Tournament, for Mm. example, they have the Champions Dinner. And so I created that years ago that the winner of the Slope Style event the previous year gets to pick the restaurant in Whistler. Nice. And all of the past champions get to come. And they go to whichever restaurant the winner.
0: So your dinner gets much bigger every year. It gets
1: yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it was so neat. This like we did it for the first time in three years this year, mm. and you had the winners of like the 2006 and 2008. So they're
0: the dads and the yeah. parents who are
1: and. Completely. And they look at the guys that are doing it now, and they're just like, wow, what you guys do is just, it's something else. But we started creating Super Bowl rings for the athletes a few years ago. I love tradition. I love other sports. And, you know, you are trying to bring the best of those things into what we do every day. And So
0: just inspiration so from, from all over. Ideas. Kinda, I just steal ideas. I mean, just hey, that, ideas. That's, that's the entrepreneurial, <laughs> I had a mentor that called it R&D, rip off and duplicate, right? So that, yeah, that's ahead, the idea. I get that. Yeah. All yeah. right. So I want to run through our rapid fire round and ask a couple sure. of personal questions about Darren and just get to know who Darren is. Are you a night owl or early bird? I'm an early bird. What time early?
1: I'm usually up by 4, 4.30 in the gym by 5.30. We built a gym in our Four, basement. 4, 4.30? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I got, I got, I got team members <laughs> that are remote work and so they'll be up sometime at 4 a.m. But like, yeah. that's insane, man. My uh,
1: team laughs because
0: they get messages and emails from me at stupid
1: o'clock in the morning. And yeah, I just, I like getting up that time. I can think super clearly. You know, it's quiet in the house. I can, you know.
0: You can think super clearly. Love that. Okay. Four in the morning. All right. There's
1: no distractions.
0: Savory tooth or sweet tooth?
1: Ooh, sweet. I love ice cream.
0: Favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: Probably caramel.
0: Caramel. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. And are, is it like gelato or ice cream?
1: No, proper ice cream. Proper I like gelato too, All but right. like proper ice cream.
0: Okay. Favorite song, album you got on repeat right now?
1: Oh, I listen to a lot.
0: <laughs> People would be really surprised. I listen to a lot of like dance music. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Really? Why would they be surprised? I was at the Red Bull party.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, that's not really like a 46-year-old guy that grew up in Alberta <laughs> listens to dance music, you know, like when I was in high school, my favorite band is Guns N' Roses and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I'd go to their concert any day of the week. But yeah, no, I lived in Spain for two summers in my early 20s. And, in Ibiza?
0: Uh, did you go to Ibiza a lot?
1: I did go, but I didn't stay very long. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't.
0: Yeah. No one no. should stay in Ibiza too long.
1: No, no. I ended up in a little town called Porta which is sort of the French Riviera of Spain and... Yeah, it was a fun couple of summers, but got exposed to the dance music
0: there. (laughs) Are the Niners going to the Super Bowl?
1: Ooh, Ooh. uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, they got a good team, and this trade is going to make that offense just unbelievable.
0: I'm a little bit like, how did that happen? Anyway, we'll have another podcast for that. Yeah. (laughs) And if you were not doing a festival on mountain biking, what would you be doing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. It's funny. I didn't really have a plan when I moved to Whistler. I just wanted to go ski. And um, it was when they announced the the Olympics, I think it was in summer of 2002 or 2003. I remember thinking like, oh, I cannot miss this. I'm here till at least then. And and so my career has just sort of evolved. I don't think I ever really had a, this is what I want to do with my life, but it's worked out pretty well.
0: All right. I'll take that. Well, let's plug the festival. What's next? Where should people follow?
1: Crankworks.com. We are kicking off the final stop of the Crankworks World Tour here in um, Rotorua, New Zealand on November 7th. We'll have broadcast live on Red Bull TV all week long. And yeah, we got the finals, the wrap up of the King and Queen of Crankworks. I don't think we've ever seen a race this tight for the King and Queen. There's four women that are all still in the hunt and that could all win it. And there's two men that compete in completely different disciplines that are right there at the top of the leaderboard. And then, yeah, there's a chance that Emilio Hansen could win the triple crown of slope style um, in Rotorua. And there's a chance that Eric Fedko, German rider could win his first ever uh, slope style world championship. So there's a lot to be decided in New Zealand and we're uh, really looking forward to it.
0: All excited and thank you for spending the time with us at uh, Marketing News Canada. I know you're very busy and do let me know how the toilets swirl in New Zealand. I will. Okay. All right, Darren. (laughs) Well, thanks very much. Another great episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening
2: to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and the Podfather.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,